Welcome to Story Shaped, the podcast about the stories that shape us and have the power to change the world. I'm Susan Cahill, debut children's author, and my co-host is the seasoned and wonderful children's author Sinead O'Hart. Together, we'll be taking you through some deep dives into the books that shaped us and interviewing other writers about their favourite and most influential stories. We hope you'll enjoy Story Shaped. And welcome back for another episode of Story Shaped, the podcast which delves into the stories that shape our lives. Today, we have the incredible pleasure of welcoming two of my all-time favourite authors to the podcast, Catherine and Elizabeth, or Kate and Liz Core. Kate and Liz are sisters who write together, creating some of the best, most intelligent, most immersive YA fiction in print today. And I have been a total fangirl for their work ever since I learned their debut novel, The Witch's Kiss, featured an Anglo-Saxon curse. Anyone who knows me knows Anthony Anglo-Saxon, I'm all over it. Um, the story begun in The Witch's Kiss, continued in The Witch's Tears and concluded in The Witch's Blood. And the sisters went on to write the superb duology of A Throne of Swans and A Crown of Talons about court intrigue in a kingdom where nobles can transform into birds. Their most recent work is The House of Shadows duology, which began with Daughter of Darkness, published earlier this year, 2022, and which will conclude in Queen of Gods in 2023. These books take the reader to Hades and beyond as we follow Dana on her perilous quest through the underworld. To say I love Kate and Liz's books would be understatement of the millennium. I adore them. And so I'm absolutely thrilled to say welcome to Story Shaped, Kate and Liz. <laughs> How are you welcome. doing, Stephen? <laughs> hi, hi, Sinead and Susan. Thank you so much for having us. We're so pleased to be here. Very pleased. <laughs> We are over the moon to have you. It's great to see you both and great to talk to you both. Um, I really do genuinely love your books. And I think Susan has just finished reading Daughter of Darkness, haven't you? Yeah. I have. I was I was like finishing it while my two-year-old was playing. I was reading it on my phone going, I can't, have, I, can't I have to, I have to keep reading it. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yes. Thank you. Impulsively brilliant. Well done, guys. Uh, it's, it's a fantastic book. And all your books, right from day one, that I, I've, I've loved reading all of your stories. So it's, it's such a thrill to get to know you a bit better tonight over the course of the uh, podcast interview and to learn a bit more about your your work and and what helped you to become the writers and the people that you are today and the stories that have shaped you so I really hope that we'll have a fun and enjoyable uh, conversation um, and I'd like to begin by asking the question that we start off with every every time we record which is uh, Catherine and Elizabeth are you story shaped? Yeah, yeah I, I think yeah I was thinking about this earlier and I think definitely because um it makes stories make us who we are don't they and I think I remember particularly our grandmother we spent a lot of time with our nana growing up um, and she told us about um, her life growing up as a family a huge family on the Isle of Dogs um, and things like you know if their dad it was back before the uh, welfare state obviously and if their dad didn't get any work there was no money for food because it was if you didn't get up early get to the place early enough to the docks you didn't get a chance to get employed and um you know signs being up about no blacks no irish and stuff like that um conflict with the with the protestant communities even there and this is what 1920s i guess shaped so much of her childhood and the stories she then told to us 
shaped our childhood as well and shaped our view of the world, I think. I remember that. I remember them say, talking about somebody putting outside a factory, no Irish here, and somebody else had written, that's what they say at the gates of hell. Oh, wow. Wow, no, I've never heard that saying before. So do you guys have Irish, obviously you have Irish um, roots or you have Irish in your family? Yeah, on both sides, um, both sides of our, uh, of our family. Um, so I think, you know, that was, those stories of the family history and and where her her mum and dad had come from and so on shaped us as people. And then I have very strong memories of going to library as a library as a kid. And um, you know, there's that sense of reading opening um, doors into other other worlds. And then you you know your experience expands into oh other people's eyes aren't the same as mine. And how did how would they look at things? Um, so and I you know I remember going to the kids library in Chadwell Heath which we then luckily were able to um, go back to do a couple of events that, uh, a few years ago um, you know very fondly very fond memories of that yeah I think for me I just remember doing a lot of reading with my mum and we, Catherine and I were discussing this earlier because she doesn't seem to remember reading with our mother so much and that might be because I'm the youngest and mm. um, and also because Catherine was probably reading Crime and Punishment by now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like Crime and Punishment. She's about two, she's already on that sort of level of book so my mum probably spent more time like spelling out words. I remember reading all the Peter and Jane books to my mum but then I remember reading um, The Hobbit and I remember the beautiful illustrations that we had in this particular edition um, and I remember, um, do you remember that Peter, um, the Pied Piper and the beautiful, what's it, Greenaway, the illustrator? Yeah. Captain. Jane Greenaway, Captain. is it? Kate, uh, Kate Greenaway. Kate Greenaway, is it? And it's just these beautiful illustrations. And I also remember reading, I've got this beautiful volume of, of uh, The Water Babies by Charles Kingsley, which I've still got. And... I remember reading that with my mum and just being terribly, terribly sad. It was such a heartbreaking story and just all of these things. And I think um, all of the, these things, all of these books and these stories that we grew up with have had an impact on how we write. And did you, did you read the same stories or did you encounter the same stories in your childhood, both of you? Yeah, both our parents read a lot and they but you know, greatly encouraged us to read and, and read to us. And I think, yeah, we read, I mean, we like slightly different things. Mm -hmm. I, I read more science fiction um, and Catherine read more historical sort of fantasy and romance. And But we meet, we met in the middle because we're both massive Star Trek fans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. And uh, what's the age difference between between you guys? Uh, would there have been, you said, uh, you were saying Catherine would have been much more sort of advanced in her reading um, when you were kind of beginning your journey, uh, Liz, but would there, would there be, how many years would there be between you? Three and, three and a half, so yeah, she's three and a half years younger. Same as my brother and me, actually, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Water Babies, have you read that recently? No, I haven't. I think I'm still traumatized from when <laughs> I read it originally. And I, you know, I, I just read. I don't. I always. We, we. Our mum passed away quite. You know, about twenty, 20 years, years ago, ago now. Yeah. Um, but I just remember reading with her. Such. We always don't want to pick it up again. Uh, but it's a bookcase. But I just found it. I just found it so sad. I just would. Heartbreaking. It was a, um, I read it as a child as well. Or I think there was. I think maybe in the eighties there was like an animated movie of it. Yeah. Um, or maybe it was like one of those ones where there was like live action, live action people. And then when they went under the water, it was 
animated, but I taught it on a course a few years ago and it was so different to mm. the version I remembered. Maybe I, I read an abridged version, but it was very, very strange. Mm. Really interesting, like using lots of Victorian or drawing yeah. on lots of Victorian science mm. and yeah. Victorian fantasy. It's it really, really different. Yes. Yeah, we read Anne of Green Gables as well. And I remember we watched that fantastic series, the 1980s. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I love that. We, yeah. just, we loved that. We were just, we were just, all of those in that series we loved. I loved history and I think those kind of, even it's not highly, like particularly accurate, but the uh, reading things set in a different period, it gives you a sense of, you know, where we've come from and where we're go going to and how you don't want to slip back into, you know, what you don't want the world to revert to to Victorian values because if, pe if people actually realized what Victorian values meant they'd be running a mile I mean it's just and I think the water babies did actually change didn't the water babies change some law around like the age that children were yeah it was to do yes. with um it was to do with the ch children or how young they could be work and stuff like that you know so it's obviously the kids that is the chimney climate uh chimney sweep at the beginning is it's amazing how the story of that story could, you know, change change history. That's amazing. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm glad it did. Uh, there was, as you say, there's lots, lots of things you wouldn't want to go back to from, from those times. And certainly child labour is one of the ones I'm glad we don't have to worry about anymore. Um, yeah, that's that's fantastic. Uh, it's just it's it's great to hear you talking about books that shaped both of your childhoods, even though there's a, there's a bit of a, a difference in the ages that you were. And did you ever did you ever read two? Liz, Catherine, did you ever, would it would you have been enough of an age difference between you for her, you to be reading stories to her? <laughs> I didn't know. I might have like tried to torture her with some stuff that she didn't necessarily want to be meant to at that point. So uh, we we always always read. I don't remember specifically reading to you, but I do remember we just we just ended up reading. Obviously, we didn't have like vast amount of money for new books, so the stock of books had to be shared. Um, so we ended up reading, we all read, both read the Narnia books, we both read um, Susan Cooper was a big, um, we were huge fans of Susan Cooper and I just, I very, really remember, vividly remember the first time I saw the yeah. cover of The Dark is Rising. We, we didn't have a library at our primary school, but we had like a, you'd put a trestle table out um, once a month or something with new books on them and I saw that and I was just like, oh! just amazing and it's and we found the antlers oh yeah, yeah. the antlers yeah. yeah that's an amazing cover really quite nice. terrifying that cover yeah yeah um but that's um when we both we still read that don't we both of us oh yeah i mean i i like to read that every, every year my, my copy's yeah. the back's fallen off the back of it now um i love that book mm. i mean particularly the darkest rising mm. yeah i remember i, I bought the omnibus edition of all the court you know the whole sequence of the of, of those books uh with one of my first paychecks after college and it's like so I have, I have a big massive heavy not leather bound but it looks leather bound you know and all gilt edged and whatever it's it's beautiful um so but I, I try I try to read The Darkest Rising every year as well kind of the, at the right time you know it's coming up to, yeah. to midwinter it's a, it's a really evocative story I love that one as well um I don't think I encountered it though in my early childhood I think I was definitely probably an adult before I read it so I'm, I really regret that I didn't read it when I was young you know I think it would have been an amazing mind-blowing story to encounter when you were young and in you know besides the the work that you both do in your creative work um you know all the other things that you might you, you do in your life um yeah you do you think you have any stories or any any kind of stories or books that you could point to that might have influenced some of the choices or decisions you've made in your life 
um, that have brought you to where you are now in terms of your career choices or your aspirations when you were younger or anything like that? Um, I think, well, my career, if my, if my books had to determine my career choice, I'd either be a Regency, you know, gentleman, <laughs> an elf, or possibly an Anglo-Saxon warrior. So that hasn't really panned out, but... Um, <laughs> Yet. <laughs> you can close to the Anglo-Saxon stuff. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think in terms of, like, the, so, certainly in t some little things, like the going back to the Susan Cooper, and the, uh, I think it's the fourth book, The Grey King, which I really loved, um, they played harp and uh, they have one of the, the harp is one of the things he has to find and Bran, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, um, is a harpist and I did, I have to, did learn to play the harp as an adult so I have a harp at home, I'm not very good but I do, um, but it did give me the idea um, eventually and then yeah they're expensive instruments so but I, I do love, do love that and I think, um, I guess also books can influence your values and I think um, I love Christmas Carol for that reason that I, I mm. he, the, the idea that you can't just abandon people and that the free market just can't be completely free because all the weakest will go to the wall I think that's such an important message and it has been from when he Dickens wrote it um, and I think exposure to that kind those kind of messages when you're young enough can help shape you into the kind of person hopefully who cares about mm. other people that is a great answer that's a fantastic point to make. And I wish some government ministers in certain countries had read Dickens when they were kids then uh, or even yeah. at any point in their life because I think yeah. they could all do with a le that lesson. And I never I never considered that before, but you're absolutely right. Christmas Carol, that's exactly what it is, isn't that? That's the point it makes, you know, that we need to look after everybody in society um, and mm -hmm. or, or else we're, or else what's the point? Yeah. Um, that, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, um, I think with me, I, I always like tech, um, I always liked science fiction and I used to love Isaac Asimov and this idea of the positronic brain and um, I actually, I mean, I think what we read as children shaped our love of writing and, and this kind of, both of us, you know, kept picking up a pen and writing stories and starting stuff and not quite finishing it and I think that's kind of driven us the love of writing has driven us of reading has driven us to, to want to become writers and particularly talking about Susan Cooper I remember reading passages of The Dark is Rising and um, Greenwich and this being and just thinking wow this is amazing how she's encapsulated that and how she's portrayed this character and um, and just thinking oh, I wish I could write something like that and, and that's really driven me but but also in terms of um, going back to Isaac Asimov, I really love tech and we both really love Star Trek and um, reading the Star Trek stories when they came out in book form. And I went on to sort of study law. And, um, not astronomy. No, not astronomy, <laughs> but tech focus. So I do sort of technology-based contracts or co contracts about, you know, you know, and I still have an interest in everything like that, like the metaverse, and I'm, I'm a bit rubbish. If you ask me to set up a PlayStation 4 for my son, I'll have to find <laughs> someone else to do it. I'm completely crap at anything tech-related, but I but do have an interest. But if someone put you into a spaceship... Oh, yeah, we'd yeah. be awesome. We would both yeah. sign up for the Starfleet on, on a... Oh, yes, that would, wouldn't we? that would be my <laughs> idea to me, and... I think the other area of where it's influenced us is that our parents um, loved Jane Austen and we grew up watching, you know, reading the books and watching all the various different yeah. television adaptations. And we are massive romantics. And 
we both wanted to grow up and marry Mr. Darcy. I mean, who didn't? But I kind of think that Jane Austen is probably the first legitimate YA writer. Mm. Mm. That's a good point. I like that. Yeah. I mean, Northanger Abbey is for sure a YA about YA. Yes. Yeah. 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 And it's like, a, you know, if you look at Twilight, he's missed, he's got the whole Mr. Edward Cullen's got the whole Mr. Darcy, mm-hmm. Darcy Darcy going on. Yeah. Isn't and Edward Cullen is like here. Yeah, and Mr. Of Darcy. course. Of course. <laughs> yes. That, you know, that Mr. Cool, Mr. Mean kind of vibe, which has been, you know, Again and again, people keep re- reproducing him as a as a as a hero in a story. Um, I think, um, funnily enough, though, so I'm veering off topic here, but he's not the bio- the Byronic. I, I would say Edward Cullen was more a Byronic kind of hero, um, or a Heathcliff, not a he- or yeah, yeah. A Mr. Rochester. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. He's not as. Uh, so I think it gets a bit. Maybe. Yeah. It takes a turn with, towards that kind of more you know, oh, I'm obnoxious, therefore you will fall in love with me kind of thing, which I'm not so keen on, but. but Whereas Lizzie Bennet doesn't like Mr. Darcy, does she, when he's being obnoxious? She yeah, she's a really feisty female heroine, mm. which is something that we try to, obviously in our books, we try to have free thinking, willful, determined, stubborn female heroines. And I think, again, that's an influence, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. An influence, I guess, of yeah, Anne of, Green, Anne of Green Gables as well. As well, yeah. She's the original and best, isn't she? <laughs> to feistiness, yeah. And I love the way you're saying that you're you're a fan of uh, of Star Trek. I think anybody who's a Trekkie or even vaguely Trekkie, you know, it's not it's no wonder that you'd go into the law or you know that you'd have such a sense of fairness and justice. I think I love the way I love the society that's depicted in Star Trek. You know, the uh, the sort of the I'd, I'd love to live there now. <laughs> you know where. We seem to have achieved equality, and there's no, you know, yeah. so, anyway, it's it's uh, so that's not surprising to me that uh, that you would you would find your way to to the law as a career, um, if you're if that story you know has shaped you because we talk on the pod as well about uh, sometimes people think we mean just books like the murder about the stories that have shaped you, but we don't necessarily always mean necessarily books. It's you know films and movies and TV shows mm-hmm. and things that you that you have any any they're all stories in their own way and um, they're all extremely shaping. And I also love the way you began. The episode with them speaking about your you know the cultural stories that shaped you your family stories they're all so important as well you know um I think, and you're right they do that you all lead us to to the place that we end up uh, being um and i'm surely glad that they, le- they led you guys to, to writing because uh your books are are superb so the dark is rising influenced you influenced you to to kind of take up the pen and start writing or kind of gave you that spark um what about what about you well i guess uh, same thing. I mean, I mean, it's hard to pinpoint exactly, but I think the main, um, I guess Tolkien, I'd have to say, Lord of the Rings was such a huge thing for me when I first read it. I was just completely absorbed because the world building is just like, yeah. you know, amazing. And I've always been really interested in languages. So that linguistic element of it um, and the fact that he started with the languages and then was building all these cultures around them. Um, I did try and learn Elvish, obviously, when I was, <laughs> you know, as you do. <laughs> um, and I wrote some very bad, and my, the first thing I have, I did, well, I've written some some kind of, you know, tiny stories, but the first thing I really remember writing is that uh, was some extremely bad Tolkien-esque poetry, you know, lots of kind of teenage angst. And, yeah. um, and I also remember um, reading around that time Gormenghast, Oh, I love Gormenghast. I've never read Gormenghast. Oh, very weird in mm. and um and that point where future 
well, I was a bit of a spoiler, but Fuchsia dies, but I won't say any more on that if you haven't read it. And I was just like, <laughs> I'll forget immediately. You know, devastated. <laughs> um, so it was, it was a combination. I, don't, I can't point, as Lizzie Kent, to say one book and say, oh, yeah, it was that one book, but I guess my, the to Tolkien and um, Mervyn Peak and Austin all kind of mushed up together. That was what I was reading a lot about Lotta when I was a teenager. What a what a fertile mashup that is. And did yeah. the Tolkien did, did your love did your love for Tolkien have um, any bearing on the, the sort of the Anglo-Saxon elements in in the Witch's Blood and the Witch's Kiss trilogy? Did did they you know? And I I was I really was I loved that part of the book. Basically, that was what first drew me to read to read your work. There was meant to be more Anglo-Saxon, um, but the, we were made to take it out unfortunately no. with the oh, no. uh, at that point um so there should have been interleaving like modern anglo-saxon modern anglo-saxon all the way through the book but anyway sadly to say that that disappeared but yeah definitely Tolkien was an influence and by that time we wrote that I had had um discovered Beowulf and um I have to say I prefer the Seamus Heaney translation to the Tolkien translation um we were happy to hear that. I no, I have to say I prefer the, the Heaney translation too. Yeah, I like yeah, I like Heaney. I love the I love the Irish words and the Ulster Irish words he brings in. Uh, they're, they're, they're and I love that there. beginning. So that's just so, that, yeah, that perfect so beginning. Perfect beginning. Never was never was a, an old English word better translated than what for yeah. so absolutely. Uh, we went. I went to um, Belfort to uh, Northern Ireland with my husband last year, and we went to the James Heaney home place, uh, which was amazing. We just loved it so much. It was just like a really great place to visit. And yeah, so his his translation, and of course, then I decided to try and teach myself old English. I, you know, one of my many other <laughs> partial yeah. attempts at learning ancient languages. So. Um, that's impressive we had to we were in university together did you have to do those language labs as well Sinead where you had to we had to sit in a room and we had to learn old English as if it was like a living like language foreign language like yeah. we had to like like <laughs> listen to it and speak it and um I really enjoyed that actually though <laughs> actually I'm not sure if I did that in undergrad because you you did the mode one English oh yeah I did yeah I pure did English. Um, pure English I think I might, I might have done that only at postgrad because I, I did old English from my sins as a postgrad student so I can only I can appreciate very deeply how it must have felt to try and teach yourself old English yeah uh, Catherine yeah. I think you would have enjoyed <laughs> that with the headphones <laughs> listening to someone pronounce uh, yeah. probably badly old English <laughs> I remember trying to learn old Norse in college as well uh, we sort of were trying to teach each other some of the other grad students were trying to teach each other old Norse that was that was a lot of fun as well but I am yeah, a, a real language nerd as well. I, I really I love a book that takes, you know, when you, when you can tell that a person has done their their work, their legwork, you know, when you can tell an author has really kind of done the work and tried to do the research into the language and you can sort of say, oh, look, I recognize that word or I recognize that quote or I recognize this this here um, really gives me joy. So <laughs> good, good work on that one. <laughs> and were were Greek myths part of your story shaping as, a, as children? Yeah, because I mean, I did, I did classics A level. Catherine started off doing classics as her degree, and then she yeah, I did Latin, history. I did Latin and Greek at A level. We both did. We both did a history degree. Yeah. Um, and um, Catherine's elder daughter also did classics, mm -hmm. and um, with a kind of um, focus on Greek um, language and stories and mythology, and she was in part the inspiration. Daughter of Darkness, because 
um, I had this initial idea about this, these people who could go back into the, to sort of the underworld and rescue souls and retrieve them. And she was like, that's so cool. Why don't you set it in ancient Greece? And we were like, oh, yeah. And then we kind of, I'm not sure that's exactly how it happened. That's the abridged version of how it happened. And we kind of um, played around with it a bit and, and started concentrating more on the story of Orpheus and Eurydice. But we had had, we, we had this book as kids called Gods, Men and Monsters, which I actually looked it up so I could, would get it right. It was by, I think it's out of print now, but it was by Michael Gibson and the illustrator was a guy called Giovanni Caselli and it was gorgeous. Beautiful. It was a big book like this. Mm. Um, and the illustrations were just amazing. And it had all these like family trees of the Greek gods and the stories of the heroes and stuff like, but you know, they were obviously we told it because it was a, about that thick and about that big and it had a lot of stuff in it covered a lot of ground so you didn't get like all the detail but it was uh we loved it didn't we we both yeah. spent ages and then we fought over who got the copy and she got the copy so i had another one off the i think as well because um our aunt did history as well um and some of these books were hers when she was a student and we had this blue one do you remember perseus that? i don't think that was uh, that wasn't a uh, that was a kids' book, though. That was a retelling from. Um, I don't know where we got. That well, we got, I'm sure we got some of these books from our, 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 my mum and my aunt when, when they were growing up, and maybe not history, not when she was studying, but before then. Um, yeah, we did have um, little. You had that, didn't you? A little. Uh, it was about the Greek. I didn't know who that was by. Got the Greek heroes. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Perseus, yeah. My opinion on Perseus has obviously radically changed now I'm an adult that compared with when I was a kid. And you think, oh, that's so cool. You know, he's rescued Andromeda, blah, blah, blah. He's killed the monster. But, um. <laughs> but yeah, so I think we, we, we always um, read some of those stories growing up and yeah. about Medusa and... Yeah, and then I did, because um, I did Greek A, ancient Greek A-level, so I started getting into Greek tragedy, which was obviously an, a huge then, you know, ocean of stuff that you can draw on as a writer and um so the, that kind of influence has been there for a long time mm. yeah I love your I love your reworking of the Orpheus and Eurydice story that it really worked for me like, yeah yeah <laughs> I'm not going to say anything more because no don't get spoilers. any spoilers because it's too it's too good to spoil it but yeah. I, I love I love the I love the myth of Orpheus and Eurydice as well yeah um and one of my favorite um medieval poems uh, I, I just love uh, Sir Orpheo which is a like a, re, a retelling of of, Orpe, of the Orpheus Eurydice myth, so anything that kind of retells myths um, is is good in my book. But you guys just knocked it out of the park. The the way you retold that story is just amazing. I've never read anything like it before. Um, so can't wait for your your second book to come out or your next book to come out next year, so we can find out the end of the story. I can't wait. Um, and my 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 little girl has a she loves Greek myths as well. We have a beautiful I think it's called Mythopedia or something like that. It's a big massive massive format Greek myths as well. Um, so hopefully maybe in years to come she'll be interviewed on something like this by somebody else and she'll be able to point to that as the, the story that shaped her into her wonderful career and her wonderful life because um, she loves drawing the picture loves copying the pictures from it and she loves you know uh, trying to pronounce the names and it's it's just it's a fantastic thing for us to do together so it's great to hear you guys talking about something similar in your in your childhood um, at what point did you guys start writing together mm. I think it was 2012 yeah yeah 2012 maybe slightly uh, 2000 I can't remember exactly but sometime maybe a couple of years earlier so we'd always written separately but we we're absolutely hopeless at ever finishing anything so 
we both put all of these things that it's like you know oh you write three chapters or something and then you kind of then you make the photo thing of I'm going to just polish the three chapters because I can't quite think of how to carry on or you know you get distracted and we've both got kids and we both had jobs and I wasn't working and I had she's smaller small children at that point yeah and Twilight had just come out and I remember that we were all obsessed with Twilight you know, with the movies and we just thought oh this is great and I just remember reading it and thinking wow it's so cool and and funnily enough I had a kind of um idea in my head which was very vaguely related to Dark Advising um in terms of one of the characters and um I think I got sort of 40,000 words in and then I asked Catherine to help me we started off doing it for a bit of fun and yeah. then we ended up with this fully formed you know, manuscript and my aunt said why don't you send it in to someone and we did and we sent it through to the Blair partnership wasn't it and they said they really liked the writing they weren't quite so keen on the story so did we have anything else to write no, and no. we didn't have anything <laughs> so we went back and we quickly wrote which is in six months. Six months. Yeah, because we really wanted we wanted to come back with them before they got to us. We did it six months, and then, and then we didn't we didn't actually send it. To, I don't think we sent it to them before we. we got I think we got agent. we got representation before they came back to us. So we, yeah. yeah, but yeah, so it was just kind of we just started. It was just a kind of I was a stay at home mom, and and I just wanted a bit of an outlet, and I just you know loved writing and loved reading and Catherine was doing various I'd started doing some um yeah because I felt that I didn't really know what I was doing so I'd um it seemed like a very closed kind of book you know how you got into publishing or being writing and stuff being published so I'd started doing I didn't have a lot of confidence so I'd started doing um classes at our my local adult education center which was really good because it was not expensive and um you know you could go each doing term time each Monday and have do some writing practice so that was great and that gave me the confidence to think actually yeah maybe I could I do know what I'm doing and I can do this and um and then I was like oh I'll help you with that Lizzie then you can then we ended up having a lot of fun doing it together because you know what it's like writing it's you can be so isolated and somebody else say oh yes let's talk about this world that we've created between us and you know what should we do with these characters and what might they want to do and it was fun wasn't it yeah how does it work you writing together it's like chaotic it's like chaotic chaotic evil that's very strong i say organized chaos that's what it is yeah and it's changed a bit over the you know because obviously life changes and lizzie's husband died and um you know she's ended up going back to work and um so the exact route. so we don't have like I, I guess it, it would be different if we were doing like alternate chapters or something we'd have to be much more organized but as it is we end up just generally plan out some plan out and uh, give do an outline as a sort of starting point and then you know we write bits and whoever's going faster can write and then the other one can do some editing and we kind of muddle through it together um, and then we end up with a book eventually somehow it always yeah. seems a complete miracle every time it happens <laughs> I love that idea of having someone else that you can talk about the world that you've built and the characters that you've created, because like, yeah, as you say, it can be so lonely and um, and you've got this, I mean, you've got this whole world in your head, but you you guys have someone else that you can share it with. Yes. Yeah, it makes it a lot easier. I think. It does as well, particularly when you're getting to that point where you're stuck and you can't yeah. see a way forward and 
you know, it's like having always having your own internal sort of editor. So they're yeah. all kind of sitting alongside you and going through it because one of us will say, oh, no, we should do it this way or we can change that. Or, um, I mean, we sometimes we fall out and we mm -hmm. do end up going to our actual editor and saying, who's right? Because we are sisters um, and we have read so much of, we've read so many of the same books and we both love, love Terry Pratchett and we've read, we've grown up with the same stories and our love of Star Trek and, you know, all the stories that our parents and grandparents told us. And we, we've, we've got a very similar voice mm -hmm. um, and we have strengths and weaknesses as writers. And I like making people laugh in particular. And I like all the funny dialogue and I love writing the dialogue and Catherine was spend happily, three to four hours talking about trees and giving a really <laughs> thorough description about shape and I want to make sure and, I get it right, you know. And I'm, I'm less concerned with historical accuracy. Probably that's, that doesn't probably won't go down very well, but I'm less concerned with historical accuracy than Catherine is. Um but we've got we've got a lot of we, you know we're writing the same voice predominantly, mm -hmm. even though we've got slightly different styles and slightly different interests. Well it sounds like you work as a brilliant team. And you do because I've read your your books and you do work as a brilliant team. Yeah, the, the way the way you write together, and obviously you dovetail perfectly because your your books seem so smooth and so, you know, you, you never you can't see the joins mm -hmm. <laughs> between what's Catherine's <laughs> work and what Liz's work. So you, you do you do a great job, and I guess that's true what you're saying that the the being shaped by the same stories in your childhood has really helped you guys to to write in as a team. But I love I love on Twitter sometimes when uh, you know you're when you guys are going through a draft and you you know one of you would tweet about how I wanted to kill this character but someone wouldn't let me you know and, and there's kind of a, a banter back and forth. <laughs> so I can tell it's not always uh, not always uh, plain sailing uh, in the in the core the core household but uh, um, I think generally yeah, overall you, you do you do a fantastic job. Um, I I can't imagine how it must feel to write with somebody else but. I think uh, if you had to do it, I'm sure uh, doing, the, doing it the way you guys do it is the best way to do it. Um, uh, so you're a bit like Susan and me on the podcast. We, we dovetail well, too. I was thinking that. Yeah, because <laughs> Sinead's really good at all of the like organizing, setting up all of the meetings and like I'm I, I like the editing. But yeah, you know, our in like what well, our skill sets. Skill sets. Yeah, they, so they sort of fit together neatly, don't they? Yeah, yeah. just na naturally. Yeah. We don't even, we don't even each other's sentences. <laughs> But we like to ask as well on the podcast, um, do the authors we interview, so this tonight it's our wonderful Catherine and Liz, do you guys see yourselves as shapers of stories for future generations of readers um, and what might that mean to you? Um, some people have wondered, do we mean, you know, it's, it's not, we don't mean to say that you, you think of yourselves as being wonderful, lofty artists, you know, but it, does it ever come into your minds when you're creating a story that this is something that people are going to read and you know are there ever messages you want to put forward in your work or you know how, how would you respond to that question do you see yourself as a shaper of stories for future generations um I think obviously we don't hope that people will keep reading our books into the you know into the forever um I don't know whether that will happen but I think yeah we get messages from people who've said that the books you know, we got something of an email the other day from somebody who just read um kind of uh, swans and talons and how much they enjoyed it and um i think it we thought about it particularly with the most recent book with daughter of darkness because when we were uh finishing um the, the final drafting on that um right before it went off to press um the, the russian invasion of ukraine happened and we were thinking specifically i was talking about orpheus um 
and thinking actually because uh, we've written you know way we way we we've, we've written him and we're thinking actually this is almost kind of relevant for what's going on um you know you could it's almost the same kind of thing somebody launching a, an invasion taking out cities and trying to become a you know a huge powerful dictator and so on yeah so the idea that yeah, we we were writing about somebody who was trying to take over the world, and then there's this person in real life who seems to be trying to take over the world, and we actually thought, yeah, maybe this is an important message for somebody to hear that um, you can, even if you don't want to be the person who stands up for what's right, you, sometimes you have to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to make a stand, and that's why we put that dedication in at the front of the book um, to anyone who's ever stood up to a tyrant, because it did seem to kind of gel with the time that we were writing the book and um, what we were trying to say through D- Dana's character um, and what her and you know the actions that she takes through the book. Yeah and sometimes life circumstance maybe you don't want to stand up to a, a tyrant but life circumstances put you in that position yeah. where you have to make a choice about whether you're going to stand up or not and yeah. that was one of the things that struck me about the book was it, it was a book about thinking through those kind of choices. Yes, yeah, she she definitely doesn't at the beginning. She just is very focused on what she wants for herself and her own future. And gradually she, you know, that kind of unravels and she realises she can't get away from the choices that are ahead of her. And if she tries to run away, it's not going to end up any better for, her, for anybody else or for her. Um, so, yeah, I guess that was what, what that was something we'd hope is maybe shaping you know a sh- might shape a reader potentially a little bit mm-hmm. I, I think, think so also um just inspiring people to tell their own stories because a lot of people are interested in the fact that we write together and we've been contacted by various other people who want to write with a friend and how they do it and you know they ask us how we do this and and, and at the very basic level, I think writing YA, it's very aspirational. Um, and it gives, you know, these are characters who usually don't have a voice and along the sort of, as the story progresses, they find their voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think at a base level, it's about encouraging other young aspirational writers to find their voice um, and to, to, to get their stories out there. Mm. Fantastic, what a, what a wonderful thing to want to do um, and I absolutely love what you're saying about the um, seeing the parallels between your your work and, and the, the current situation in, in Ukraine with Russia that's amazing and hopefully you will uh, somebody who will read your book and realize it's given them the power to stand up to something in their life that's you know being tyrannical whatever whether it's a dictator or whether it's something else you know but I think books and stories really do have the power to to shape you know I mean we're, we've all been shaped by the stories that we read and loved as as kids and as younger people so it stands to reason that the ones we create too will, will have that power um I think it's it's a really important sort of um responsibility to, to sort of I suppose to, to have that in mind uh, I don't know whether having it in mind as you write is a good thing or not but uh certainly it's a, it's a privilege I'm, I'm always aware of when, I, when I'm trying to put my work into the world um but um, as we sort of come close to the wrapping up time, I guess I want to ask you the, the cheeky question, <laughs> which is, um, what's next from you guys? Other than I suppose you have you have um, the the Queen of Gods, but but beyond that, do you have anything else on your writing slate, or do you want to talk to us about your about your about your new book coming out next year? Um, I think we cut. There's, there's nothing else we can talk about at the moment on the writing slate. Um, <laughs> we've maybe got some, dist- some projects off in the distance. 
yeah but, um, so but, different ideas about things um so. and maybe together and maybe also separately um so but yeah queen of gods uh we finally delivered our first draft of that at the end of september my god that was difficult <laughs> yeah, i don't know what was going it was um so yeah so that is now with our lovely editor and uh, our assistant editor um so we're looking forward to getting back into that and we're already talking about cover design with the lovely Michaela Akene so um, it was a gorgeous cover the yeah, cover for Daughter Darkness is so beautiful who's your illustrator for that and the designer the designer is Michaela Alcano uh who I think was named book design co book cover designer of the year at the book British mm, I'm not surprised. Yeah, no, she's brilliant. So we've been so lucky. Um, yeah, and I think I think we both we've got you know other YA ideas in our head mm. um, about various things that we've been a couple of stories that we've been playing around for a couple of years and more than that I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, some sort of goth, more kind of gothicy. Um, Maybe some vampires. I'd like to write some vampires. Yes, yeah, so we've, got, we've got we've got a basically a Dropbox folder, and it's called other book ideas, and we're populating it over the years. So, Kate Kate's always wanted to go off and write historical fiction, and I've always wanted to write a funny book. But I think you know we both love YA, and you know uh, I made a truly funny book like um, sort of like Bridget Jones or something. But um, but um, we both love YA, and we both love fantasy. So yes, uh, we've got a lot of in our other book ideas forward a lot of other way fantasies that we've kind of been working on and it'd be lovely to see one of those come to sort of maybe fruition. one day yeah. yeah that would be brilliant um and do you ever consider going into different age groups or you know maybe even separately would you consider writing for different age groups in the in the children's book world or even adult fiction yeah i wouldn't mind uh doing adult book actually um i think there's um yeah, there's plenty of scope out there to, to do things which, which, you know, aren't already, haven't already been written by, by somebody else. So, um, but yeah, all, all children's, I'm pretty much open to writing anything. So anybody <laughs> will, will publish. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, I guess just having other stories, isn't it? Yeah. Because, you know, we've got other stories reflective of other parts of our lives, being mothers mm. and, you know, various things that have happened to us and, not all of those stories fit neatly in a YA packaging. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. I just I, I love the idea of having a, a Dropbox folder that you know that somebody that you're sharing ideas with somebody and it must just be so such comfort. Um, I guess you guys are used to it, so it maybe it just it's the norm for you. But um, it just seems such a I, I would love that for myself as well to have to have somebody to sort of bounce ideas off and somebody who I know could help with the with the writing side of things. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it has its drawbacks too, and it's not all plain sailing, but. Um, I'm really glad you guys found your way to writing books together. Um, you, you really do work brilliantly together and uh, you've made some of my favourite books. I'm really grateful to have, have read all your stories. I love that you called Jane Austen the first YA writer. I'm going to keep that with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you both. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's, it, you know, it's, it's, we're very lucky to get to do what we do. Yeah, and it's been a really nice thing for us as sisters, actually. Yeah. I don't, you know, it's been a kind of an incredible journey. I mean, no matter what happens, I, if um, I go off and write the next series of Star Trek and become <laughs> a multi-billionaire and move to the States, I will always look back very fondly <laughs> on our time together. It's just been a real blast. You know? <laughs> Not over yet, I hope. I'm hope I hope there's plenty more. No, no, they've got that Dropbox folder. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs>
I want to see every story in that Dropbox in, in print. <laughs> Um, but, uh, we're going to let you let you on with your evening um, but thank you so much Catherine and Liz for, for being with us it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you both um, I'm certainly blown away to have got to know you both a bit better and to have uh, learned a bit more about the stories that shaped you guys um, and if anyone listening hasn't uh, picked up any of Catherine or Liz's books uh, definitely do um, uh, I personally I really love the um, I forget the name of the collective stories but the, the crown of talons and the it hasn't got a collective name though. It doesn't not. No, well, that's why I couldn't think of it then. I'm glad. <laughs> but those two, the, 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 um, I forget the titles now again, they're bad in my head. A Crown of Talons, is it? And uh, no, a Throne uh, of Talons. Throne of Talons and a Crown of Talons. Great. Well, those two, I think, are my my, my faves. I absolutely love those. Um, and I love what you were saying about uh, your your love for romance heroes in, in, in the classic novels. I think you definitely have uh, have your, your romance heroes are, are down to a T. You're really good at writing the the the... The, the I suppose the, the conflicted or the the, uh, the troublesome hero in your stories they're they're always always very well written and very I like uh, that there's compelling. a few of them always as well yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> um but yes dear listener if you haven't picked up any of uh, Catherine Liz's books uh do they're fantastic and we will link all the titles uh in the show notes of this episode and we also will link to our bookshop.uk.org.uk uh, page and also to our Irish bookshop, um, Halfway Up the Stairs, where you can pick up copies of all the books mentioned in tonight's episode or today's episode, whenever you're listening to your podcast. Um, and if you have enjoyed this podcast episode, I really would like to ask you to take the time to rate and review us um, on your podcast streamer of choice. And um, if you can, uh, to, uh, to uh, recommend us to anybody who you think might enjoy listening to people uh, talking about books and talking about stories, um in a frankly nerdy fashion but it's been so much fun <laughs> and it is so much fun to be here uh talking to, to Catherine and Liz and my wonderful co-host Susan um but I think we'll leave it off for today's episode and thank you all so much for being here especially uh Catherine and Liz thanks so much for being such great guests and for being so uh so chatty about the books that shaped both of you it's been a joy to talk to you both thank you, thank you for having us it's been lovely thank you very, it's been really nice. very welcome oh, it's very been welcome. such an enjoyable conversation um but for now it's goodbye for me goodbye for me (laughs) and goodbye from our lovely guests bye bye talk to you all next week for the next episode of story shape podcast bye-bye you've been listening to story shaped with susan cahill and sinead o'hart follow us on twitter at story shaped pod And don't forget to subscribe on the streaming service of your choice so that you never miss an episode. Music by Tony Betts.